Good day, listeners and viewers. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're so glad that you're with us. My name is Jonathan, and I've got some uh, new friends on the line with me. I've got Rodney and Tracy Wright, and so welcome, guys, to the program. Uh, good morning, Jonathan. Hi. Thank you. Glad to be with you yeah. today. And uh, you guys are all the way up in, in Idaho, so um, tell us a little bit about your connection to Pure Desire, because both of you guys are on staff at Pure Desire Ministries, which is a great partner ministry with us. We love um, uh, Nick Stumbo and a lot of stuff that you guys are doing through that ministry. So can you tell us a little bit about just your roles in that ministry? And then we're going to talk specifically about a book that you guys wrote. Yeah. Uh, well, Tracy and I, we've been married 31 years and I've served as a pastor for just about, uh, well, 31 of those years. Mm -hmm. And a couple years ago, we felt led to transition from our congregation and uh, help Pure Desire. I was already serving as a board member for the organization. And so um, we felt led to write a parent book and to go to churches and share my story of addiction and healing and lower shame and really just offer um, individuals within our congregations some hope and some pathways forward where they can find some hope and healing. So uh, Tracy left her job at the Union Gospel Mission and she's a clinician for Pure Desire. And uh, we do parent trainings together and on their speaking team. And then I kind of help raise resources for the, for the organization. Great. Well, you guys wrote a book um, called How to Talk with Your Kids About Sex. And so my first question is, why? Uh, I mean, aren't there a lot of resources out there now for parents? I mean, uh, and by the way, I'm kind of probably winking right now because it's like, <laughs> I don't think there could ever be enough resources in this area. But um, yeah, what, what prompted you guys to write this book? Um, and especially at this time in, in history? Well, it, it was kind of birthed in my heart. Just, you know, I, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Uh, uh, I grew up uh, with pastors. Uh, my mom and dad were pastors. I'm the youngest of five kids. And we lived in the Central Valley of California growing up as a kid. And I just know that um, there wasn't a lot of good, healthy conversations about sexuality. And nor did I always feel safe to ask questions. And so when I was a young kid and I was exposed to pornography, um, I didn't know how to navigate or process any of that or even my own sexuality or puberty or sexual development as a young man. And so culture kind of became my educator, unfortunately. And so that led to a, a series of, of just difficult decisions for me and finally, you know, uh, finding some healing in my mid 20s. But I always thought I just think in religion, in, in the Christian faith, we, we're not really we haven't done well at knowing how to see that we're made in God's image, male and female, and what God made is very good. And so I just think that um, the faith culture hasn't always known how to normalize uh, conversations about sexuality, about our anatomy, uh, the, our language that we use talking about our bodies, you know, uh, penis and vagina aren't always common words that we hear in homes or even in churches in a, in a healthy context. If those words are always used in a slang term, then uh, it's unfortunate that we just never learn how to talk about our sexuality in, in a healthy developmental way as uh, young people growing up. I think too, Rodney's heart goes back a lot of years where he was one, helping parents to get healthy themselves. So bringing them into a parenting group was a, or parenting training was a, a place where he could 
help talk talk with them right around about what they might be experiencing and then also get on that front end of being proactive or preventive rather than waiting until someone has to have that story that they're carrying through. So his heart was there for a long time. And as we joined Pure Desire, then um, we looked at, is this the time to write a resource for that and begin to do some trainings and help others? And so we we started that process and began that process together. My My part of that was in the middle of that process, just realizing I wish I had some hand-holding when the kids were young. Ours are in their 20s, and I would have loved to have a book, a resource, a, a training, something where someone started me out with some hand-holding from the beginning. And so um, I kind of joined in that heart with him and along the way just heard some other people with the same kind of heart that were linking arms, um, not always in the faith community, outside of the faith community, that want our kids to have healthy relationships, you know, and it was people from the school system and, you know, that are in the media. And so um, just that that heart to link arms that our, our kids are hurting in this sexualized culture. They're being targeted and we want we want to just link arms with other people that are healthy. Yeah, that's great. So you you uh, you talk in the book about how you are uh, you're wanting to share these 10 principles with with parents. Can you share some of those principles um, that you share in the book? You bet. Um, the book is really to provide a scaffolding or a framework for parents um, to not just have one conversation for 100 minutes when the kid's 13. You know, no parent or kid likes that conversation, but how to have 100 one-minute conversations all through their life and development. So our principles uh, really kind of provide that framework of maybe how to begin to build that as a parent. So the first one is just pursue your own health, mom and dad. So many of us live in shame from our negative sexual history, whether it's abuse or addiction or abortion or, or just mismanagement or just a lack of knowing even how to communicate about our sexuality. So you're, the best gift you give your kids is to just see that you're worthy of getting help. We talk about healthy people seek help. And seeking help is not a sign of your weakness, it's a sign of your wisdom. So, you know, um, if you're stuck and this is a hard subject to communicate about, or you've got some negative history, there is ministries and therapists and individuals that, you know, we, we point to to help you. Um, then another principle is um, to educate yourself. There's a lot of great books. Our book isn't so much uh, the book of every age and stage conversation, but we point to a lot of those great resources that when kids are just little kids, they can sit on your lap and they can say, and this is how God made boys, and here's the parts of their body, and so you're talking about anatomy openly, and this is how God made girls, like mommy and your sister. And you have the conversation about our bodies and about sexuality, not in a sexualized way, but just mm -hmm. in a normal way, and um, they can begin to understand and just get education in that regard. Uh, we talk about fostering connection because our greatest need is intimacy, not sexuality. And so we talk about intimacy being into me, you see. And Jonathan, I think this is a big problem for a lot of our kids in culture. They think in order to be intimate, you have to be sexual. And they get that message at such a young age. And I think this is why there's even a lot of confusion about that. We're made for intimate relationships um, to, to, to know and be known, you know, and I, I say to people, I have a lot of intimate female relationships, but only one sexual. That's with Tracy. But I'm very right. intimate with my daughter, my mother, my sister, 
And, yeah. and I have a lot of intimate male relationships, but they're not sexual. And that's the beauty of recovery groups and, and healthy relationships. Yeah, you know, sometimes I think people get uncomfortable with how <clears throat> how close Jesus was with uh, Mary Magdalene or, you know, because right. we've so put this sexual filter over all relationships that it's like, how could how could Jesus have these close relationships, men and women? And right. that's when you get all these skewed ideas about, you know, him being this way or that way. But talk for a minute about, I want to go back for just a second about the, 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 the personal help, getting, getting healthy personally. Um, I imagine, you know, one of the things that is typical, I think in a lot of parents, um, maybe even especially Christian parents is this notion that the best way to make sure that my kids quote unquote turn out okay when it comes to sexual issues is that they can never hear about or know about my weakness, my past, my brokenness. Right. Uh, talk a little bit about why that is a poor way to think as a parent when it comes to um, dealing with helping your kids understand sexuality. And what are some better ways? Like, I think what you're talking about in terms of pursuing personal health is so important. Um, talk a little bit about why it's not a good idea for parents to hide their past from their children. Well, what we model is more important than what we say. And, and we know in recovery that you're as sick as your secrets. So the more you can own, you know, it's the quote by Brene Brown. You know, if you own your, if you don't own your story, it defines you. Or if you deny your story, it defines you. But when you own it, you can write a brave new ending. And there's something just about saying, hey, my, here's my story, here's my journey. And sometimes our, our, our cultures of faith haven't always been safe to own our sexual brokenness or the mistakes we've made in our sexuality. And so this is where we would say, we wanna get mom and dad into that healthy community or around healthy people where it's okay just to own your story and then have age appropriate conversations. You know, what the kid needs to hear when they're five is different than when they're 15 or 25. So it's just about um, not living in shame and which I did for many, many years. In fact, I tell a story in the book about taking my boys camping and uh, they're like eight and 12 and it's just a perfect time. And we're, we're, we're cooking chili over the stove, which means we opened a can and put it in the pot. And, you know, it's just a great time and there's no cell phones and we're just out there being together. And one of my kids says, hey, dad, have you ever looked at porn? What a great question. I mean, he felt safe to ask me that question. It was just, I thought it was great. I didn't think it was great at the time. But when that question hit me, even though I had sobriety, I had a lot of shame still in my story, Jonathan. Mm -hmm. And so you know what this author of this wonderful book said? Who wants more chili? I mean, I changed the subject as fast as I could, redirected those kids to something else. And I look back and I say, that's because I was full of shame. I hadn't, I hadn't got healthy to the sense of saying, yeah, I have looked at porn and it affected my brain. It affected my ability to connect and see women as valuable. And it's not the better way. And here is the better way. And if it, when you see porn someday, I want you to know you guys can come and talk to dad about that. I mean, now I would have had a, I could have talked to him for a hundred minutes about that subject. Mm -hmm. But when we're not healthy, we and we have our own shame, it traps us. But but when we find healing, we can share hope and a better way to our the next generation. And parents really should be the number one educators. Um, you know, not everyone has healthy parents. So, of course, our communities, our faith communities 
partnering with our schools allows us to speak into, you know, other children's lives. But really, um, you know, I, I believe most um, educators and most um, authorities on this subject would say parents really need to be the number one educator. And a lot of times the parent is, well, I made a lot of mistakes in that area, so I just want to forget about all that and hopefully my kid will do better. But part of owning your own story is being able to share like the story that Rodney shared, being when we've done our own healing, as we know in all different ways of our life, when we've right. done our own healing, we become a better parent, you know, and a have a better ability to help others. And especially when it comes to our kids, we want to help them navigate. Even if it's an uncomfortable subject, we all still really want them to be able to do it in a good way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So age-appropriate vulnerability. This is really important, right? Age-appropriate vulnerability. That, that you've needed the grace of God just like everybody else. And I find that it actually, uh, the more open and honest I am with my story, it's actually drawn my kids closer to me um, not necessarily push them apart. In fact, when we, when we had disclosure with our kids, I remember it was uh, on a Christmas Eve and we kind of gave them some special um, gifts talking about our family and our family story. And, and after I shared my story, my daughter said to me, you know, as a teenage girl, dad, I'm so glad you went and got help and you saw that you were worthy of getting help, you know? And I just thought, hey, whose kid are you? That sounds pretty healthy, you know? So yeah. When we can just be vulnerable with our children, boy, that's that's the real deal, and that's what will that's what fosters connection. So when they struggle in any arena, whether it's sexual or a different area, they know I can always talk to mom and dad because they're safe. And another chapter we talk about focus on growth, not perfection, because we think this is really important. You know, uh, mistakes are part of our human condition. That's how we learn things. Um, we talk about in the book, uh, a little kid asked his dad, hey, dad, do you think Jesus ever made a mistake when he was young? You know, what a great question, right, to ask. And the dad thinks for a second and says, well, that's a great question, son. What do you think? And the little boy pauses and he says, well, dad, if Jesus never made a mistake, how did he learn anything? Right. And so we would propose that mistakes aren't necessarily sin. They're just a part of our human development. You know, we don't think that Jesus said to Mary when he was two, hey, mom, don't worry about potty training. I got this down. I'm the son of God. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe, the, maybe when he was working in Joseph's carpentry shop, maybe the statement comes from Joseph. Jesus, we measure twice and cut once, right? Because his first table wasn't maybe. But the scripture says Jesus grew in, in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. There's Growing is a part of our development. So if your home can say, hey, mistakes are part of this. And when you make a mistake, we want to learn from it and, and focus on growth, not on shaming. So that's a big part of being safe as a parent. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit, because I think that is a uh, that alone, that idea of having uh, and the way we kind of put it in our ministry is we're trying to shift people's paradigm away from what we call a perfection model. Yes. Of life and recovery and all those kind of things to a progression or a growth model. Like what does yes. growth look like versus perfection? perfection. Um, but but what we found in our ministry, and I think every parent will agree with this, is that that's that may be an easy hurdle to recognize mentally. It's a very hard hurdle to get across practically yeah. in your day in, day out life. Can you share how uh, you try to encourage parents 
to really embrace that idea that this is not about perfection, but it's more about growth. Um, what are some ways that you would encourage parents, especially when they're they're already probably carrying a lot of fear and um, anxiety around this whole topic with their ch- children, right? How can you help them? How can you practically help them see it as more of a growth mission rather than I got to have all the answers. We got to get it exactly right. There can be no failures or mistakes whatsoever in this area. How do you help parents? Well, part of that is, you know, I would rather learn when my kid has a problem than a pattern that's developed in their life for 10 years that we don't know about. So, you know, this, this, this part of lowering shame and vulnerability always attracts. So when you make a mistake, mom and dad, be okay with just talking about it and let your home be a safe place. When you hear about another family, for instance, where their kid made a bad choice, how you, how you speak about that in your home, your kids are listening. So if you say, you know, I can't believe that the, you know, the Joneses, and if your name's Jones, I'm not talking about you, but you know, family X over here, their son or their daughter did A, B, and C. But if you say, um, you know, I can't believe how bad that is. But if you say, you know, I heard that the Joneses kid made a mistake and I've made mistakes too. I really hope that kid finds help and realizes that he can learn or she can learn from this and it doesn't have to be the end of their life. Your kids are listening about how you perceive your faith, how you perceive growth, and uh, whether you're shaming people or whether you're all about people growing and becoming healthier. And so the tone you set uh, is really important. Yeah, our book has a lot about um, just family systems. So the way that we do things, it's a little bit of a bigger picture um, kind of book, our principles, although we do go into specifics of, of, you know, conversations with kids, but just that idea of we're creating a family system, we're creating a way things are done, and our children are learning from that, that's part of that modeling piece. And so we're modeling when we um, don't beat our, ourselves up about our own um, mistakes or that we aren't perfect. If you grew up in a perfectionist family, that is harder, right? Because it's kind of ingrained in us. It's a little more difficult to let go of. Um, But we get the opportunity to pass forward something new. So we can pass that on to our kids that actually making a mistake is about learning from that mistake, taking a look at it, and um, what do I believe about this? And so conversation then, again, becomes so important that we're having open conversations in our family. So how do we have that? We have to make ourselves a safe family to have that conversation. If our kids think the goal, which maybe I thought that growing up, my goal is to not make any mistakes because (laughs) God is holy and I want to be holy too. So that's the point. So I, I probably went into parenting thinking that's the point. We try not to make any mistakes. And over the years that has changed for me because I see the value of if when I'm a safe parent, that I can have conversation, then I can help look at the mistakes and every child is going to be a little different in how they do it. Some are going to be the rule follower and some are going to be the, I need to test the waters kind of a kid. So, yeah. Well, that's why I'm, I'm so grateful that God's call on our lives is faithfulness and not success. (laughs) Cause it's like faithfulness is, is about continuing to progress, continuing to get up. I mean, the Bible says, even in Proverbs, the righteous falls seven times, but rises again. So the idea is, oh my goodness, the Bible even saying the the righteous falls, but what does he do? He gets back up and he keeps working and keeps moving right. forward. I think one of the one of the uh, most common examples, you know, sometimes that we hear in terms of thinking of growth rather than perfection, is uh, the old 
story and example of Thomas Edison, right? 10,000 tries before he got the light bulb right. And and his yeah. comment was, I didn't fail. I just found, you know, 9,999 ways that don't work. Right. And I, I love that mentality. It's like, okay, if, yeah. if you try this and didn't work, then keep keep moving forward. Now, one right. of your one of your chapters in your book is is called Train Not Shame or Punish. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that because I think that's a paradigm shift too, because there's already built into our broken sexuality a sense of shame. I mean, go all the yeah. way back to the garden. Right. When sin entered the world, what was the first response that Adam and Eve have? Cover their sexuality. There was a there was a sense of I need to hide. I need there's a shame. What do you talk about in that chapter? What are you addressing in this idea of training rather than shame or punishment? Well, in the book, we we, we write a lot about how to communicate with your kid about masturbation and that whole subject matter, uh, because we look at it from a medical perspective. We look at it from a, maybe a conservative Christian faith to a, so a, a liberal Christian faith, and then a continuum of thought on that whole process and where it can become problematic for kids. And just, we help parents to know how to think and talk about that. But, you know, living with a lot of shame in my story um, was uh, in the seventies, I lived in California and my brother and I, who's 20 months older, were playing outside and a neighbor kid uh, said to us, hey, I dare you guys to take off your shorts and go streaking up and down the neighborhood here. Well, you know, my brother dumb went first and dumber went right behind him. And so my mom gets a call and says, hey, uh, the pastor's boys, uh, eight and 10 are streaking up and down the neighborhood. She calls us in, you know, frantic. What are you doing? Go to your rooms. And uh, we were just kids uh, being stupid and curious. And uh, we made him be a little younger than that. But I remember when my dad came home and I remember how he scolded my brother and, you know, pull down your pants and give him a spanking. And when he came to my room, I was like thinking about jumping out the window, like it's not going to go well here. And when he left my room doing the same thing to me, I just felt a lot of whatever I do, don't let ever him catch me doing anything wrong because he's not safe. That and, and that became a traumatic experience for me as a kid. And I think my dad did the best he could for what he knew at the time. That's That was it. Spare the rod, spoil the child. My kids are misbehaving. This is what I'm going to do. I'm not saying it was abusive. I'm just saying it was, it was detrimental because what we needed was for dad to put us on his lap and say, nudity is okay in the shower, always. I highly recommend when you take a shower, <laughs> take your shorts off. But nudity is not okay in the driveway. So focusing more on training and guiding, especially those younger years of developmental uh, with natural curiosity is just a part of how God made us. And so as we're learning, focus more on that training and educating side. And and rather than don't assume that they have your information as an adult, that your kids mm -hmm. automatically know all that. They don't have that. And so that whole focus on um, training is really important. And we, we talk about discipline and consequences as well, because that's still a part of the process, um, but not so much punishment. And part of the paradigm shift really is um, stepping back and looking at what the situation needs. So in the situation he was talking about, it needed guidance. It, this isn't something they were continually doing down the street, right? They, they didn't know they were young kids. It, it wasn't sexual or, or rebellious. 
And so being able to change your paradigm to step back and say, what, what does the situation need? Sometimes the situation needs conversation with mom and dad. It needs an understanding. Sometimes it might need a natural consequence or a logical consequence that goes along with it, depending on the situation. So, you know, obviously everything's a little bit different as you walk through and what, what you're going to follow through on. But if you come in with that mindset of, training okay is this a training moment or everything's a training moment but how am I going to use that training moment and does a consequence need to go with it um I think that's just a little better way to look at that for most parents yeah it's like uh you know the definition of wisdom is the right application of knowledge right so I think there's a sense of which you can have knowledge like I love what you said Rodney about like hey nudity is good in the shower Right. Yes. So yes. Wisdom says, OK, that knowledge of maybe the goodness of how God's made my body yeah. and even nudity doesn't apply the same in every situation. There needs to be right. wisdom in which you say, right. well, in what situation right. is my naked body, you know, needing to be without clothes? Um, and, and so I think that's a good thing for parents to remember, too, is that yes. especially if you have multiple children. Right. They're not all exactly the same. Right. And then also if you have different situations. So let's talk a little bit about is there do you see uh, a need for um, let's talk about for us, for instance, the, the the parents that have multiple children and different genders. Um, are there are different are there different ways that need to be approached with that in terms of mom doing certain things and dad doing certain things as part of this training or part of raising uh, kids up in the home to understand God's design for sex and and how to uh, engage that well? How do you see that in terms of the roles of the parents uh, yeah. with the different genders and multiple kids? That's a good question. You know, the book, we recommend that the mom, mom and dad take the book and read a chapter out loud to each other. So read one chapter together and say, hey, the rights are proposing this. What do you think about that? Right. Let's consider this topic about personal health or, or, or train, not shame or punish. So we want mom and dad to start talking or, you know, having conversation about it together. So the principles or the framework they can kind of agree with. And we, we think it's both and instead of either or. There may be that, Dad, you're closer to a daughter. She's got that special place in your heart. Or Mom and those boys. I mean, so we just say both be available. One may be more of a communicator than the other one. But I think as you're both just getting on the same page and recognizing that sometimes they need less of Dad and more of Mom, and sometimes they need more of Mom and less of Dad. Or did I say the same thing over <laughs> <Yeah>. and over? <laughs> They um, always need less of dad yeah, and more less of dad. Say, more of mom is always good. <laughs> more of mom is always good, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that whole principle of just both of you being ready and um, realizing that it's not it's not all going to happen in one conversation. So it's short. And when you, when you don't get it right, like me and the um, chili story, you can go back and have another conversation or you're welcoming questions or that's a good question. Let's talk to your mom about that. When she gets home, she might have some more insight on that. Uh, and, and so we talk about welcoming questions. We talk about um, and welcoming questions doesn't mean you always have to know the answer. And so we give you some keys when questions come that you're maybe not aware of. Um, but I think this point is important too. always reinforce what is good and healthy about our bodies and our sexuality. 
always go back to reinforcing that, man, what, what God made is good and you're good. Your maleness is good. God made you a boy and your femaleness is good. God made you a girl and we are grateful for how God made you. And so those younger messages that we give them, uh, I think is, is really, really key. Um, but yeah, I think it's both and instead of either or. Mm-hmm. And I know, I, and there's, there's, I know so much more that we could uh, talk about, but we're coming, coming up on the end of our time here. I would love for you guys to just anything else that you want to share either from the book or just an encouraging word to yeah. the parents that are out there, um, whatever you'd like to share with them now, and then let a, let our listeners know how they can get uh, access to the book. Well, I'll jump in here. Our last chapter is called Never Turn Away. And it really is the story I write about with my daughter and giving her a ring when she turns 16. And we call this ring the value ring. This isn't a ring that she has to promise me something that maybe she won't have sex before marriage. I said to my daughter, I, I think you wanna manage your sexuality well, but I, I won't give you a ring that says, promise me you'll never lie, promise me you'll never steal, promise me you'll never cheat. I said, honey, you don't have enough fingers and I don't have enough rings for you to make all the moral promises. So this is a value ring that says, your worth and value will never change in our eyes regardless of your behavior. We will always love you and be our daughter. And we want you to make good decisions because you see your worth and value from the inside. So this is our promise to you is that we will always love you and be here for you. Mm -hmm. And so again, offering a different paradigm. I say that and to think about the story of the prodigal son, or I think about my own shame, you know, thinking I'm always on plan B growing up because I didn't manage my sexuality right growing up as a young man. So I just say to the parent who their kid is struggling, the heart of God never turns away from us. Mm -hmm. The heart of God always pursues us. This is Luke 15, the story of the dancing father, I like to say, who is just waiting, arms open, heart never turned away from that kid to come back. So if you're a parent and you're thinking, boy, another parent podcast on sexuality, oh boy, my kids are way off the grid here. I just want you to know that don't lose the heart of God. Mm -hmm. that the, the story of God is not punitive, it's redemptive, right? This is, this is just where I see the judgment of God. It's more like a doctor saying, hey, you got something wrong, here's my judgment, and now I wanna bring healing. So just stay in relationship with your kids, just don't stop loving them, that's the way of Christ. Uh, even if they take different values or have a different moral code than you do, let love be your guide in how you uh, integrate and relate to your children. Tracy, do you have anything? I just think um, for most of us, it's an uncomfortable converse, series of conversations when it's focused on sexuality. We don't know, quite know how to do it right, what we think is right or well. And so just leaning into that discomfort and being okay with your own growth and not perfection as a parent. Mm -hmm. So how can uh, parents get the book? Where can they uh, go to get the book? Two ways, they can go to uh, puredesire.org and under resources there or under a store, you can order the book through the website there or puredesire.org backslash kids. And maybe we can, uh, that's a link that you can go to and get the book. Or it's also on like Kindle version on Amazon. If you wanted to get it there, uh, you could get it there. 
And uh, what Tracy and I do is we travel and go to churches. So we, if anyone's listening, that's a part of a church or a congregation and say, hey, we'd love a, to do a paratraining where we can go through each of these principles with you in a two-hour setting and just help give you a framework. Um, the book is written to be done by small groups, which we think is fabulous, where the group could read and then answer some of the questions together. Hey, what do you think about this? What did your parents do here? What was helpful or not helpful? Uh, we think that's a great way to learn is in uh, community. Yeah. Well, Rodney and Tracy, thank you for uh, doing this work. Um, thank you for being in this space of ministry. And, and thanks for uh, writing the book and also for being with us today. We appreciate having you on here. Our honor, Jonathan. Thank you. thank you so much. And keep up the good work yourself. Yeah, thanks. Well, listeners, we're always glad that you're with us. And uh, we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.